0: Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery, Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Hello, guys. J-Rod Concerts podcast family. How are you today? This is Jamie Rodriguez, your host of the J-Rod Concerts Podcast in the last episode of Season 1. Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? We started this journey this year and we are finalizing our first season and I want to thank each and every one of you guys. We are um, a little above 27,000 subscribers across all our platforms and uh, I just want to thank each one of you for being part of it. Whether you're listening in your car, at the gym, on iTunes, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, or wherever, uh, it really means so much, guys, that uh, you guys take the time in, uh, in in the U.S. and across the world to listen to our show, and it, it really, it, it's really humbling, actually, that um, this project has taken off like this, guys, and and I can't wait to uh, continue the journey in season two and bring you some more amazing guests, but. Now that we got the romancing out of the way, guys, let's talk about today's guest. And we are finishing with a bang, ladies and gentlemen, Emma Swift. Amazing. Emma Swift, guys, just released one of the best albums of the year. Like, literally. It's called Blonde on the Tracks. It's unbelievable, guys. It's a collection of interpretation of Bob Dylan songs, uh, but in a way that you've never Never heard them before. But let me tell you about Emma. Emma, Emma Swift is an Australian singer-songwriter. Uh, before she was a musician, she was a radio broadcaster uh, hosting Americana show in the Pine in, uh, on radio in Australia. Um, also, she was an Australian broadcasting company in Sydney. In 2013, she relocated to Nashville. And, uh, and this is where really her singing career kind of took off in earnest like a rocket ship, guys. But what can I tell you about this album, Blonde on the Tracks? Came out August fourteenth, was an instant success, critical darling. Um, you know, it was hailed for the timeless spin that she gave on this on these songs. And actually, she even has a one of Bob Dylan's newest songs in here. I contain multitudes, and oh boy, are you in for a doozy with this one, the sweet mother of God! What a beautiful song! What a beautiful album, guys. We we were really excited to have Emma and talk to her about this. Uh, precious record that she made so um, we encourage everyone to listen to it Emma Swift blonde on the tracks guys and uh, you can listen to it wherever you listen to your songs Um, and you can purchase her records on uh, Bandcamp and she's got some really cool limited edition vinyl and just some really great stuff so if you want to check it out there do it but without further ado guys Emma Swift on the last episode of season one of the J-Rod Concerts podcast But anyway, Emma, uh, yeah, I have to, you know, before I, we get started, I have to congratulate you, Emma. Uh, it's such a treat to have you because, okay, Blonde on Tracks, oh my God, Emma, what an album that you have unleashed on the world. Like, oh. sweet mother of God, what a jewel, what a jewel.
1: Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad you like it.
0: Absolutely. Everything about it, like the way you reimagine Bob Dylan songs, I mean, it's, it's not easy to do. And you did it, and you pulled it—you pulled it like better than than anyone could have expected. The reviews have been great; fans have, everyone's loved it, unsurprisingly. So, congratulations, Emma!
1: Thanks.
0: Cool, cool. So, you know, before we get started on your music and your life, if you will, um, let's get some pandemic-themed questions out of the way, if you will. Sure. You know, it's been obviously a wild, strange year, Emma, um, and with you being in East Nashville, it started in early March with the tornadoes, right?
1: Yeah, it's been a crazy year here. I mean, I live in East Nashville, right in the in the heart of Nashville, about 10 minutes from downtown. Yeah. And a tornado just swept through our neighborhood in that first week of March, totally decimating houses, you know, just two streets from where my house is. Wow. So I'm incredibly lucky that my house is still standing and, and that we weren't injured and and, and everything has been okay. Um, and then to have the tornado followed so quickly <laughs> yeah. by a pandemic scenario, <laughs> which is just, I mean, it's kind of, it's surreal, isn't it?
0: It is surreal. It is surreal. And, and, uh, but wait, like you're from Australia. Tornadoes, yeah. right? Like, let's go there for a second. Like, you know, that's not a problem that you guys necessarily have in Sydney or Melbourne or something, right?
1: Oh, no. I mean, I think... Wherever you are in the world, there's all kinds of natural disaster things that can affect you and your community. So yeah. In Sydney, it's more likely to be a wildfire or a flood. Um, sure. But right here in middle Tennessee, uh, it's definitely not so much fires, but definitely
0: tornadoes. Definitely, Emma. But okay, you were like, it was like 2 a.m., right? Local time? 1, 1 a.m., something like that?
1: Uh, yes, I believe so.
0: So you were probably asleep or recording? What were you doing?
1: I was actually on tour. I was in San Francisco.
0: Oh, so okay. So I got
1: a message from a friend of mine, my friend Gina, who looks after our cats, saying, <laughs> I just need you to know that the tornado sirens are going off and we're in the walk-in wardrobe.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> so um, it was quite quite worrying, but but I was so far away. Uh, right. I was just worrying from a distance.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Emma. And speaking of the pandemic that you touched on, how are your friends and family back in Down Under? How are they doing?
1: Uh, They're pretty good. I mean, uh, the pandemic is obviously a global crisis that's going on. But my family are are fine. And Australia hasn't been hit as hard as places like Italy or Spain. or
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I mean, Australians are pretty disciplined, absolutely. So, I mean, you and Robin Hitchcock, you know, you've done this pandemic shows throughout this pandemic, these live shows. You guys have done a lot of them, actually. Um, I think Wednesdays and Thursdays you do them. Um, You know, you do a suggested donation. You've done like 40 plus shows. So I have to ask you, like, how have these performances helped you like artistically and to connect with your fans? That's a new thing.
1: Um, It's taught me a lot about online connection with fans, especially at a time where there's no outdoor shows and, and live touring, I wouldn't have said, if someone had said, oh, you can only play your shows online, to me last year, I would have gone, oh, no, that's not for me. Yeah. But actually, what I've discovered is that I really enjoy it. <laughs> I, I love seeing the comments in the chat room and that level of interaction. It's a very, yeah. very different experience to if I'm on stage in a club, um the audience can't really say, hey, I love this song, or would you play right. this next? Or, you got to bring like a next?
0: sign or something, right? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> and I'm not really at that level. Um, but So it's, it's just great to, to interact with people that way. And it's such a um, – it gives me something to look forward to. It's very hard to structure days around the pandemic and, and have yeah. a sense of what is Monday, what is Friday, what, is, what even is the weekend? Right, um, but right. but by having a show on Wednesday and the other shows on Friday, it gives me something to kind of anchor my week around. and get uh-huh. Excited about.
0: Ah, that's great. Yeah, they've been super great. I, you know, I, I checked out one the other day. Uh, so, Emma, tell us a little bit about your early life in Sydney, if you will. Like, you, you I mean, you're obviously so talented, but do you come from a musical family, uh, or, or where does that DNA come from?
1: Um, I don't know where the. <laughs> From. I come from a family that loved to read books, but we're not musicians at all. I'm the only singer in my family. Yeah. And I'm the oldest of seven children. So Uh there's a few of us, but I'm the only one who really took it up. And I don't really know why that is. It's just something that I was always very drawn to from being a kid. I've just always loved listening to the radio
0: and music. I mean, when you were eight years old, you were singing, right?
1: Yeah really small, like really small. Yeah. Wow. Was, and I, I just, I, <clears> I just really loved it. And, and, you know, I, I grew up, I was eight in like the late eighties and it was a great time to be getting into music, particularly the pop female pop artists of that time. People like Madonna and Cindy Lauper and yeah. Kate Pearson from the B Really Right. Great, iconic. Ballsy women, you know, it, it, the whole yeah. Yes. And, um, and I really, I, I really got a lot out of that. And, and I just kind of thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do.
0: That's great. That's great. But, like, when did you first realize, like, oh, my God, I actually have a really good voice. I can sing. I have pipes. Um, do, you, do you have a memory?
1: <laughs> I, well, I guess when I was pretty small, people would start coming up to me going, oh, you can actually really sing. Yeah. My parents were like WTF. This is weird. Why can, why can our child sing? And so my dad would be in the supermarket or, or, or whatever, and someone would be like, oh, we, we saw Emma singing at the local uh, Stedford, which are these singing competitions that they have in Australia. And, and I think we were all kind of taken aback. But I don't – it's not something I've ever been conscious of not knowing about.
0: Interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's you. Yeah, it's you
1: very, very
0: natural. Sure. Oh my God. That's great, Emma. Okay. I'm sure you're sick and tired of telling this story. Um, You probably tell this to every Southerner you meet in Nashville, but your your love affair with country music. You've talked a little bit about how a friend of the family gave you a a record player and you started discovering Linda Ronstadt and a bunch of good stuff. How was that evolution? Like, you know, an Aussie girl gets these records and it starts getting into your soul. How was that?
1: Well, I guess I always had a romantic draw to Los Angeles in the '70s, particularly.
0: Yeah, romance. yeah, Eagles, so all that good stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah.
1: People making records like Linda Ronstadt and Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. um, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, I'm very into that sound, and I know. And then once I had listened to all those records and and kind of given myself an education on the Laurel Canyon world
0: yeah I, and I'm, I'm, I'm super into that right now actually because i'm, I'm we're talking to judy collins soon and i'm oh, doing fantastic. like this research How and good? She, yeah and she's like all over that dna like so much it's like wow well, anyway sorry to interrupt yeah oh no no she's
1: phenomenal <laughs> so once i once i had explored that um that field as much as i could I started going kind of further towards country and I got into Dolly Parton and mm. uh, Wynette and Patsy Klein and exploring those more country sounds. Um, I I mean the evolution of country is so strange and, and I don't even know what the word means anymore, but there's a certain era where the music that was made is particularly resonant for me. I mean yeah. you know, it was Bob Dylan coming to Nashville to make Blonde on Blonde right and, and, and national skyline and, and record songs with johnny cash oh. uh, I, I have a lot of love for, for that time
0: oh my god just telling these stories i can see your eyes sparkle it's great <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can't hide <laughs> it
1: I, I, that's what I, can't, I can't hide the fact that in many ways i'm a bit of a historian and certainly an the
0: fascinating right that's the thing about country music it's so human it's like if you're human you will get country one way or another but anyway Emma yeah well well today um earlier you, you filled on as DJ on the Gimme Country radio station which is a really nice internet country uh, music station but before this of course I mean you were a natural but that's because you've had a great DJ career uh before right um before you sing, you were in Triple J radio in Australia you volunteered extensively at uh FBI 94.5 in Sydney um so yeah, I mean, w- tell us a little bit about radio. What, what what do you miss about it? What do you miss about radio? You're such a natural.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I I love the community connection of radio, and yeah. it's actually gotten better in a way because when I was on air, particularly FBI, uh, when I was first learning how to DJ, yeah, it was before really Twitter had really taken off. So yeah, most, most the radio internet in, in most the radio connection, rather I should say was on a text line. So I'd be like, okay, and if you want to get in touch, on <laughs> uh, 04094545. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Remember the number. And, and so I'm really interested in the way that music um, brings out the best in people and brings out our humanity and- Yeah. Our enthusiasms and mm. our, our passion as well as our sorrow. So I guess being a radio broadcaster, you get to have that sense of connection with people, which I think is really special. I mean, I'm sure you would know being a podcast host. It's, it's a lovely thing to connect with people over, over it time.
0: It is, it is. And I, I, I did have a little, a few years in Miami radio, in Top 40 radio, uh, back oh,
1: that's fabulous.
0: in 2004, which is like an eternity now. But um, I, I, totally, I totally relate to what you're saying, 100%. You know, it's like learning to convey stories with your voice, like the whole thing. You learn a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and just getting to share what you're passionate about with other people is really fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Emma. So let's talk a little bit about America, like, and your relationship with it. What was your, your impression when you first came in 2011 in that infamous vacation that you went to San Francisco, you went to Nashville, you know, you were, what was your impression of Nashville, right? Because you're this first time.
1: Incredible amount of research. I'm very impressed. No, <laughs> no, I'm <Emma>, not. <laughs> so, my first impressions of America were oh my gosh, I just had the most romantic stars in my eyes. Complexity. Really? Oh, yeah. My best friend. Uh, Zoe and I rented a silver convertible from LAX.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Drove it to the Grand Canyon.
0: Oh, my Disney God.
1: Style, <laughs> And it was just an extraordinary, wonderful trip. And we met so many great people. We bought the greatest hits of Toto at a truck stop. And <laughs> it was just so fun, kind of driving. Uh-huh. Vegas, our, our arms in the air, listening to Toto, kind of. I can being,
0: just imagine.
1: Well, just being insufferable millennials, really. And
0: um, <laughs> listen, I mean Toto and like that highway, Africa, the the beginning. I can only imagine. Like I, I would, I would have fallen in love too. Like, are you kidding? Yeah.
1: Well, it, it very much felt like a movie. And
0: yeah. Then,
1: I got. If you close
0: you your eyes a little bit, you can imagine Emma Swift, ladies and gentlemen, just like singing. You know. Uh, you know, I pour the rain down in Africa with dessert on the both sides, you know, and the friend doing the other chorus. You can see it. You can see it.
1: Yes. Uh, the ridiculous and the sublime, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. it was really fun. And then, yeah, I came to Nashville and um, I was really...
0: Um, Were you nervous coming to Nashville?
1: Oh, I was more excited than anything else. Yeah. That, that tends to be my default setting. I, yeah. I get really over-adrenalized and excited. And only later does the fear set in.
0: <laughs> right, right. Once you're once you're in the stage of the Grand Old Opry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right, right. Oh, I've, <laughs> I've only seen shows at the Grand Old Opry, but certainly going, particularly going to places like the Ryman Auditorium. Right. Um, going to the Country Music Hall of Fame and seeing Grand Parsons' nudie suit.
0: Yeah. Um, oh man. Mike
1: Clark play at a small club. Uh, just really special.
0: Experience. Oh my God. So yeah, we're so happy to have you here in our country, Emma. You, you're, you're America. Yeah, I lo- we, we love it. Anyway. Okay. And now your experience moving in, right? Because one thing is, you know, coming on vacation and buying Toto and all that good stuff, which is great. Um, but moving in, you know, it's like the real thing. You know, you got to get a, a moving truck, leasing agreement, this and that. How was that experience for you? Like those first months, two months moving in?
1: Um, well, the first uh, the first wave of me moving here was reasonably easy because I sublet someone else's house, and that was kind of fun. And then I guess I just went about doing all the practical things later. I mean, I literally moved over from Australia with no furniture. Yeah two suitcases with me and one of them was full of vinyl records. Yes, of course. (laughs) I'm a nerd. So I, I, and I'm a big thrift So I basically just hit up every goodwill furnishing my life going, Oh, I better get a table and chairs and a desk. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah. it's And America has been very good to me. Very, very kind, very warm, very open, um, I, am, I love the touring aspect of America, and I really miss that. I really love, yeah. you know, the last tour that I was on, we started up in Seattle, and then we drove down to Portland, and then we got down to San Francisco, and just mm-hmm. driving down the one. In yeah, sure. It's like, really, beautiful road.
0: California. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this country has beautiful things. Absolutely. Have you been to Florida, Emma? Yeah, or not yet?
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've sung at the A1 Music Festival in Florida. Oh,
0: perfect. Oh, that we missed you. Oh, God. Okay. Won't happen again. Promise.
1: Next time. I do like going to Florida because being an Aussie, I love the
0: beach. You know? There you go. <laughs> of course, Bondi Beach, right?
1: Yeah, Bondi Beach. <laughs> um, and and there's, I mean, there's just so many
0: great... I know. Well, I gotta tell you. I mean, we love we love Australia here. Um, when when um, like two years ago, Target started selling Tim Tams, and that was like the best day of my life. It was like <laughs> I couldn't believe, for the first time that I could get Tim Tams across the street. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I must have gained like fifteen pounds in a week, but I, I was so happy.
1: They're delicious, but you don't want to have too many. But
0: that's the problem. You can't. It's like you can't have just one, right? Very and then you learn the tricks, how to dip them, and then it's game over. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Emma. And okay, let's talk about your self-titled EP. Uh, really good. It came out in 2013. Um, it was crowdfunded, uh, produced by Anne McHugh, and it was nominated for a 2014 uh, ARIA Award for Best Country Album in Australia as well. Yeah. Uh, really good. Bittersweet. Pretty cool song. Heard it. Let me ask you this. How do you look back on this EP? Which, you know, seven years looking back, how do you look back on it?
1: Very fondly. It was the thing that got me started. It was my yeah. first time in a proper recording environment with cool Nashville musicians. And I had a great time. I mean, I think I was still just learning how to be a songwriter, really. And so the songs that I put on that album feel like baby songs compared to the songs that I've written for the next one. Oh, yeah. One. Oh, we
0: can't wait for the next one, by the way. Yeah, but do you find yourself now, in like 2020, whatever, you're riding a bike, you're buying groceries, and you think about your EP, your original one, and you're like, man, I should have put that song, that that word, or I should have changed that arrangement. Does that happen at all or no? Oh,
1: I try not to overthink things. I mean, right. I often to think of a recording as capturing a moment in time. Nice. If, if I got too obsessed with how things need to be edited, I thought- <laughs> put anything out
0: <laughs> yeah it's true it's true i think it was uh was it dylan or bono who said an album is never really finished it's just released kind of thing Oh, so. i'm
1: not sure but either way bono yeah. or Dylan, whoever said yeah
0: it, it <laughs> <right. laughs> yeah yeah for sure um okay let's talk about your new your new album oh my god it really is such a spectacular thing am i like i've been like in non-stop i've re- i've recommended it to like 20 people already gifted it to a couple it's fantastic uh, yeah it's really it's really good Uh, Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you've talked a lot about it because it because everyone loves it. The Guardian gave it four stars. It's everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. Um, The project started in 2016, though. Let's go back to the beginning of that. Uh,
1: Uh, Well, it started in twenty seventeen.
0: Twenty seventeen.
1: 2017. 2017. Okay. um, I was quite depressed. Yeah. I wasn't writing any of my own songs. And it's really hard to be in Nashville if you're not writing your own songs because that's, it's songwriter's town. It's what everybody does. Right. And I felt quite lost. And my friend Patrick Sansone, who produced this record, um, and he's a member of Wilco, mm-hmm. he asked. He, he was in town. Um, he, was, he wasn't on tour. And so there seemed to be an opportunity for us to be able to record together. Yeah. And so I just booked a studio and decided to do it. It felt felt like the right thing to do yeah and I'm really glad that I did because even though it took a little while to come out into the the world it's taken three years for me to kind of right. fully execute this release the reception has been rather extraordinary uh, I'm just so glad that people like what we've done it's, it's very nice
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad you pushed through that uh, depression, that little low period you had. Uh, when's the first time you heard Dylan, Emma? How do you fell in love with Dylan? Was, was, was it in Sydney?
1: I mean, I think Dylan, if you're my age, he's just sort of always been in the universe. Um, yeah. You know, I was born in 1981, December 1981. So the first Dylan record that came out for me was um, uh, Infidels. Infidels, yeah. Joker Man and Sweetheart Like You, songs like that. Uh, And then the Wilburys. There's not a time I can think of in my life where I wasn't aware that Dylan existed.
0: Yeah. How good are the Wilburys, by the way? I can't. Yeah. There are no words, right? (laughs)
1: There are no words, exactly.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, Emma. Um, Murder Most Foul. I want to ask you about that song because, I mean, it's not in the album, obviously. But um, did you have any temptation to put it in there? What are your thoughts on that song?
1: Oh, I just think it's absolutely brilliant.
0: It's uh, a piece of art, yeah.
1: But I'd already put Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands on my record. So I had right. a good 12 minute song there. And
0: yeah.
1: It is epic at 17 minutes. 17 minutes, right? <laughs> so I didn't want to do that. And then released I Contain Multitudes. And that seemed to be more of a uh, an appropriate fit.
0: Yeah. Oh, it came out beautiful, by the way. I think that's the second one, right? In the I contain multitudes. The second one. Yeah, yeah. When when you first heard it, I think Dylan put it out in May or April, something like that. April and I put it out in May. It's amazing. You were like the first, but like, did you when you heard it? Were you immediately like, oh my god, this puppy? it's going on the record was it immediate or like how did did that process work
1: oh i was very enchanted by the song straight away yeah love song love at first sight it's got a certain magic to it i was kind of possessed by it um really the song just completely um completely overtook me. I had to do it. I, there, there, I wouldn't, there would be no Blonde on the tracks without I Contain Multitude.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you have to make any cuts?
1: No, I didn't make any cuts on the
0: record. Ah, there you go. Okay, cool. <laughs> there you go.
1: There's so many Bob Dylan songs to choose from, but uh, yeah. I didn't make any cuts.
0: All right, Emma. Thank you. Well, look, you've been so generous with your time. I want to ask you a couple more questions, and then I'll let you, um, because it's been a busy day for you. One more about Dylan. Um, What was your criteria for picking the songs that you picked? Because, like you said, he has so many. Was there, like, a theme? Was Um, it just uh, your favorites? What was it?
1: Oh, no, the theme was just to to find songs that resonated with me emotionally at the time. Okay. I just really loved um, all of these songs. I just went to my record collection and picked I love it. It was all very much based on intuition. Uh, I'm a very intuitive person. I do, yeah. I, do, I try not to get too caught up in ideas about um, how things might need to be. Or I don't want to, you can't over-intellectualize art when you're in the process of it. Otherwise, you just get in your own way.
0: Um, you know, and that's fun. It's interesting you mentioned that because your record, it comes across as authentic. I, would, I think that's one of the words that I would use to describe it. It's very pure and real. And you saying this, that's not the case with every record, even if they're good, you know, they don't have that sense of authenticity.
1: Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't even really know what authenticity means, but I, I can tell you that everything that I chose to put on this record was absolutely born out of a deep love for the song amazing and a deep reverence for the songwriting of Bob Dylan and I just think he's wonderful obviously <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely Emma all right I want to I want to leave you with a question that you've been passionate about and it's very interesting and it's about you've been outspoken uh, about the um the payments for streaming and and that whole issue and uh, you know there's this one statistic what's that
1: <laughs> I said I've been very mouthy yes
0: no, but it's true. Look, I, I mean, there's this one statistic. I had to open it up because I love telling, I'm, I'm the same with you. For every 1 million streams, the label gets 3500 or $5,000, depending where the streams come from. Paid services get a little bit more, but most artists have 10% royalty, so they get $350 to $500 for every 1 million streams. Mm-hmm. These are just the facts. Um, tell me a little bit about this, you know, this... Um, you say you've been mouthy, but it's an important issue. Where do you stand today on this?
1: Oh, well, I just think that under the current living conditions where touring does not exist, yeah. current pay rates from streaming services are unacceptable. And the people that own these streaming services, like people like Daniel Eck from Spotify and Jeff Bezos, they're doing <laughs> yeah. money in the, the kitty, they're just not distributing it amongst the workers. And I don't think that that's fair. And, I right.
0: don't,
1: and it's not really the fault of the people who subscribe to streaming services because actually they're a great concept. We just need to have to work out how those services can pay the people who, the artists whose work is on there, a little yeah.
0: bit. Yeah, sure, sure. Emma, thank you so much.
1: Thank you this so much. This has been much.
0: such an enjoyable chat. I want to just remind everybody, Blonde on the tracks, guys. It's one of the best EPs of the year. It was released uh, like almost two weeks ago, August 14th, Tiny Ghost Records, but make sure you get it, you know, on Bandcamp Digital. You can get it on Vinyl, Beautiful Orange, like the whole thing. You need that on your collection. Emma, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. You're amazing.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks. You're awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I had to look down for a minute because I've got a meeting in Australia I've got to get to. But you Oh, know- no, no. I'll
0: let you go. I'll let you go. Yeah, yeah.
1: You you and,
0: um, I hope to catch you on the road soon, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later.
1: I hope so too. Have an awesome day, okay? I am, uh- let me know if you need anything like photos or anything like that for, for the podcast and let me know. Okay.
0: If- okay. I'll email you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.